There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Woke Man series, the greatest case study on man, helping paint the picture of the conscious journey of the men who walk it. And I'm here with my man, Sean Kay. Brother, how are you? Very well, thank you, Luca. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you, my man, for joining us and sharing your story. The first question of the quickfire round is, where did you grow up and where do you live now? I grew up in Bindoon, Western Australia, a tiny little country town about an hour and a half northeast of Perth, yep. uh, population maybe 1,000 when I was growing up. Uh, and now I live down in Yelling Up in the southwest of Australia, and that's only recent. It's been a couple of months. Yeah, awesome, dude. How old are you now? I have just turned the beautiful three zero. Ah, what, what, what I just did too. What, what month? March the 9th. Oh, awesome, man. Pisces. Pisces all the way. Oh, I did see that on your social media with Pisces. That's yeah. awesome, bro. Emotional, emotional, sensitive creature, eh? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that is, that's me. Awesome. Uh, what, what are you doing for a living right now, brother? That's a fantastic question. People ask all the time. And uh, I don't really have a title, to be honest. I was a school teacher. For seven years, I started my own business three years ago, helping people with mental health and well-being. And at the moment, I do a mixture of retreats. Um, at the moment, mainly with school teachers, mm -hmm. uh, but we are now, you know, branching out and working with all walks of life who want to, you know, build their awareness, improve their consciousness, connect with self, all those wonderful things. Um, so I would. Yeah, I'd really just say I'm an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I don't like using that term because it's obviously such a broad thing when you say, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. But yeah, I do. I work for myself at the moment, which is something I'm really proud of. Mm -hmm. uh, I love having the freedom to, you know, be able to do this, to be able yeah. to, you know, take a day off when I want to. Uh, I think it's probably been the best thing for me. Mm, I can agree to that, man. What's one thing yeah. you're really good at, bro? 
speaking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, talking. Yeah. Talking. Uh, I, you know, have dreams of being on stage in front of tens of thousands of people. Like I, I you know, did, a, did a conference last year for about a thousand in Sydney. That was awesome. Um, yeah, cool. I just love talking. And honestly, when we talk about channeling and being in a tunnel, I, I talk about it as being in a conduit where my whole, whole concept of time and everything just goes out the window. It's like mm -hmm. I could be on stage for an hour and although I'll finish on time, it's like that hour feels like one second. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's cool. Yeah, I love it. And on the contrary of that, what's, what's your biggest fear? Uh, my biggest fear... I've actually, I got asked this recently as well and I struggled to answer it. Um, my biggest fear is probably not, uh, not releasing my full power to the world. Like is it a fear of being seen or judged? I think it probably comes down to more, I think there's a lot of uh, wounds to do with with money and the whole money mindset. And I think it's probably fear of success, maybe, where it's... Um, like more money is makes you a bad person? Yeah, no, yes and no. I, I, I just, I get in my own way sometimes where, you know, I come out of the soul and we're probably more into the ego where it's like, you know, I'll have 50 different ideas a week and sometimes I end up, you know, convincing myself that, I'm doing something for the right reasons when maybe it's not actually in alignment and I'm still going through that whole process of navigating, uh, this doesn't feel good. Like my inner being is telling me this doesn't feel good, mm. but I can see how much it's going to, you know, pay me. And by doing that, it's going to allow me to do the thing that I really want to do. And so I think it's a fear of like not living up to my full potential um, because I'm focused on, you know, maybe that materialistic gain or whatever it is. Like, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, rich per se. I don't want to have, you know, a lot of fancy things, lots of money, da, 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 da. But I want to be able to do the thing that I want to do, which I told you just before, is, is create my own facility for people to come and, and work on themselves, whether that's mm -hmm. a studio and a retreat or just a retreat. That's my long-term goal. And, and ultimately, if I have to get investors, if I have to be in debt at some point, I'll do that to achieve that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's my fear that if I don't take the appropriate steps, I'm not going to achieve that. And then I'm yeah. going to have this, I guess, you know, not sadness, but lack of, lack of I guess, fulfillment because I haven't done everything in my power Reached to make potential. that happen. Yeah. yeah. Did you say so far to your current day of living, you've reached as much as your potential as possible? I would say I've definitely out, out, outdone that. Out, like I think about this regularly and it's something that I, and I know many people might resonate with this. I'm, I've made it more of a conscious effort recently to stop and actually reflect on how far I've come and how much I've achieved you know, in the last six months, 12 months, five years, um, I've actually, something that is 
is quite cool. Um, kept the journal since I was like 15. So I've got like a huge box full of all these journals. And when I started writing my book, the initial idea was I'm going to go back through all those journals and pick the best, you know, parts. But then I started writing the book and I realized that every time I was going back and picking up one of those really hard, traumatic, difficult experiences was often, um, you know, reigniting it in me. Like it was firing up that same emotional response. And it was actually like a sort of battleground where I was like, this is the current self. That's the old self. Like I've come so far. And so back to your question about, do you think I've reached my potential? I definitely think I have. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Mm. Um, I think now it's just, it's really, you know, if we look at the hero's journey, I think I'm, I'm returning like at the moment, which is, nice. which is really awesome because yeah, you can take this question so far. Yeah. No, good on you, man. That's, that's amazing. Thank you. And what, what's one of your favorite quotes? Well, the mantra that I like to live by in the work that I do is you can't give away what you don't have. Um, so for me, this came, I guess, as a realization probably 12 months ago when I was so passionate about the work that I'm doing and my message and my work was really about learning to love yourself. So mm -hmm. self love. But I wasn't ultimately embodying that at the time. And although I was doing all the things, doing all the things, doing all the things to, you know, look after myself, I ultimately didn't love who I was. And so 12 months ago, I actually um, went through somewhat a, a breakup. We weren't together very long, but we went through a conscious breakup, I guess you could call it. And we had a really honest conversation with each other and we both agreed that we weren't showing up for ourselves like we weren't loving ourselves it was like we're trying to find that in somebody else and and i'd done that for my whole life i had spent so much time investing in other relationships and and investing in other people and like i'm i'm just a mass you know we talked about the pisces thing i'm just a massive lover like i i know that eventually i will find my person and we will you know have a fantastic life and I'm patiently waiting for that now but as a young guy I was just like so obsessed with with whoever I was in a relationship with and ultimately it was it was because I was so empty in here I was not you know filling my own cup of love and I was looking for somebody else and um I really have taken time to work on that over the last 12 months where I moved to an island in the Whit Sundays um, 12 months ago or 18 months ago. And I, before I left, I just committed to myself. I was like, this is my incubator to love myself more. Mm. And it was really profound. Some of the experiences I had there just by myself, like, I've come to love being by myself. I've come to really appreciate, you know, just being at home with nobody around me. 
And um, yeah, I think that you can't give away what you don't have is about whether it's compassion or love or happiness. You know, I had a conversation just this morning with a friend about, you know, he is really big on improving his mental health. He hasn't been in a good space, but he was telling me a story just of how a friend recently who was also in a negative space, so that both of them are really struggling with their mental health. Mm. He was trying to help his friend and then his friend ended up doing something that created a bit of tension between their families and, you know, let him down. And, you know, I talked to my friend about it and just said, you know, this is where you've got to honour the fact that you're not okay, that you're trying to save somebody else. Yeah. So all that he's, he's doing at the moment is reflecting back to you what's going on inside you. And it just, you know, it becomes this negative, negative relationship. 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I think you can't give away what you don't have. You've got to have a lot of your positive energy and power up if you want to be impacting other people. Completely. Yeah, I see that a lot. It's a, such an important point. It's like people who are like just starting on this journey or something, they're like, oh, I can see, you know, once they awaken to a certain way of living, a new way of living, it's like, oh, now you can see everyone else's faults. And they're like, oh, I'm really frustrated because they're not doing this anymore and like they're not conscious or whatnot and they are essentially fucking not fixing themselves and they've only learned a certain amount and they just want to pass it on pass it on pass it on but they haven't actually fixed themselves in that point so yeah that's a really good topic man definitely mm. and i think we've probably all been guilty of it i certainly have um, 100%, yeah. and i call it a we get a messiah complex that's mm -hmm. what it is it's like we we think that we've you know done all this work we're the guru become, yeah we're the guru um, and I just, I just think it's, it's really important that we're conscious of what energy we bring to those situations. Like I, my, I know for a fact, like my first retreat, I was, I was doing everything behind the scenes, plus running the retreat, plus holding the space, plus trying to impact people. And my energy by day four of the retreat was like just destroyed, like almost non-existent. And I was just lucky I had my, you know, hour of power in the morning, my meditation practices, all these things to keep awesome. me going, but I wasn't showing up as my best self, which yeah. is, is hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's the conscious man to you, man? <sighs> Great question. Um, I would say the biggest, thing for a conscious man is just being consciously aware of your own thoughts, behaviors and actions and how they not only impact you, but how they impact people around you. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. So it's really about um, conscious awareness. And, you know, I've, I've, as I said, I've worked in schools for eight years as a teacher and two years doing the workshops that I run and I, I really stopped using the word mindfulness and I started to use the word conscious awareness because it's really about it is just being conscious that it might it might not be your day to shine in the light it might be a, a terrible day that you're not feeling great but just by being conscious to catch you know I'm not feeling great today um 
you know, a bit sad. I'm feeling lonely. Like it happened to me just a couple of weeks ago during COVID mm. where I was supposed to be on a live like this for my community, my teaching community. And I immediately, I got on the live because I wasn't going to leave everybody hanging, but I got on the live and I just said, I'm not okay right now. I'm sad. I'm feeling lonely. I'm going to be okay, but I'm not going to be doing the live tonight. I'm, I'm going to leave it there and I'll be back next week. I'll be fine. That was it. And I think it's, Beautiful. that's being in your power, like as a man. Mm. Um, and as probably the same with you, Luca, when we grow up, you know, I say that our power is always being measured against other boys and other men based on four things in Australia, mainly, probably America, the UK, uh, four Bs. So balls, who's better at sport, who's good at sport, uh, we're looking at sport, we're betting on sport. Mm. Uh, the second B, booze, so who can drink the most, who can make the biggest fool of themselves, all those things. Babes, mm. so who sleeps with the most girls or who has the hottest girlfriend or whatever that is, and bills, money. So who makes the most money? And that's unconscious, that's really man, good. if you ask me. That's Fuck just yeah. That's so that's awesome. Where, I really like that. Yeah. We're comparing ourselves to other boys, whether consciously or unconsciously, all through school. And then what happens is this gap is created between where you are and where you think you need to be. And that's that anxiety. That's yeah. that depression. That, and yeah. yeah. Touche, brother. We can be consciously aware of that. Like, you know, I used to love having a little gamble on the horses every weekend and I'd be out, you know, I'd be playing footy every Saturday. I'd be drinking every Saturday night. I'd be trying to go out to wherever we go out in Perth and find a girl to go home with. And I was pretty much, all I was worried about was four Bs. Four things, yeah. Now, I couldn't give a fuck, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, wow. That's cool, man. What, what's yeah. one thing that challenges you right now? Um, I feel like not being busy, being busy. I've definitely improved on it. It's like that. And I learned this uh, recently when I was, I'm going to say, I'm going to say watching Sadhguru. I think it was watching Sadhguru. And he talked about, um, oh no, I was actually watching, I was watching Sadhguru and the same night I watched I'm Not Your Guru again with Tony Robbins. And he, he talks about um, who's the one person's love that you crave the most when mm. you're a kid. And although my dad's amazing, I love him to bits still craved his love the most when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so obviously with all this stuff, I was working so hard. I was trying to, you know, make this business a success. And I've done a lot of work and healing all the childhood stuff, but it was still like this thing of like, are you actually trying to prove something? Like, and I'm like, nah, I don't know. So the thing was, it was uh, obsession breeds compulsion. So it's like when you become obsessed with, working or when sorry when you become obsessed with getting that person's love or finding a relationship or um you know creating your dream life 
it then becomes a compulsion where the work is always composed. Like I just have to be working. I have to be working hard. I have to be working hard. And for me, that's probably been the biggest challenge the last two to three years was like teaching during the day, business at night, and then the teaching dropped away and I just started working crazy on the business. And like now I've, I've really cut back like maybe I pretty much start at 11 every day, which is yeah, wow. a choice. That's um, amazing. And now the other challenge, which, you know, honesty and vulnerability and all that jazz um, is I do want to find that love. I want to find that person that can walk this journey with me. And yeah. like it probably does, I still get emotional talking about it. I remember November last year being on a retreat in Bali that I attended and again I, I told you we've got a habit of this but I was the only man and every, all the others were women some older some younger and yeah I remember like halfway through the retreat I had the same realization I took the mic I got up the front and I'd been tears I was like you know I, I go through all this I'm doing all this work I'm giving back I love what I'm doing I love impacting people but there's still this massive part of me that wants to find love and I know that it'll happen eventually but mm. it is a challenge is it because you're getting older and you sort of feel like time yeah I out? think so yeah I think there's definitely that element and I definitely want to have kids and have a family one day and that's where I also know that the this path you know that we're on or this path that I'm on where there's a lot of you know spirituality a lot of work and a lot of you know stuff that comes up that it's not everyone's cup of tea um so it is it's it's just being patient and i love abraham hicks and obviously they oh, talk yeah, a lot so about good, eh? when you're focusing on the lack you get more of the lack so it's like just focus on being happy mm. having fun you know all that stuff and and i have i've been having so much fun lately um but yeah i haven't mm. haven't even been with a with a girl for like months yeah. and that's like unheard of you I know you. for me i feel you man what's unconditional love mean to you well definitely as we've spoken of loving yourself and i think loving your imperfections mm -hmm. um I think your imperfections are what make you influential. And for me in particular, like going bald was massive, was a massive thing. And, and I think I really learned unconditional love by going bald. Um, from, you know, my mates would give me shit, like from my, from, I remember in high school topping shit, like. Cause you were like, already going bald then. Yeah, like you, uh, some of the girls who I was friends with, like, you know, you're just having a bit of banter with the girls, like, oh, whatever her name is. Like, I remember her saying, like, yeah, you fucking balding, like, like, just like, and me just mm. brushing it off. But that was like, that was like touching the trauma, like, inside. That was like fucking sticking a hot knife inside mm. when that would happen. And even like, you know, my cousins, like, I'm, my cousins who are like five years older, like, just, Typical boy talk, like, you know, you're fucking poofed up, like, you look at you with your hair, like, trying to cover that bald spot up. And, you know, I remember 
going to clubs with a hat on. Like I used to try and get into clubs with a, with a hat on. And sometimes I wouldn't go out with my mates because I knew that I wouldn't be able to get in without a hat on. Mm. And that was fucking horrible. Like that hurt like big time. That was massive. And so it was actually when I was, I think like maybe 23, 24. So I've been shaving it for like five, six, even more years. I was dating a chick. She's actually a model and all that Instagram influencer, all that stuff now that I couldn't care less about. But um, at the time, like I was, you know, in technical terms, punching above my weight. And um, she was the one that actually said to me, she was like, just shave it off. And I was like, nah, like I can't. She's like, just do it. And so she, I guess, gave the confidence to do it. And like, I've never looked back. So yeah. I think loving myself unconditionally definitely come from definitely. Uh, loving my imperfections. Yeah. And it's the same with other people. I, you know, I try to look at people now and, just appreciate them for being beautiful. Totally, um, totally. Japan, Japanese obviously have this term called wabi-sabi and I read a book about it during COVID and it sounds just, like something you put on sushi. Oh, exactly. Sounds like, it sounds like sounds, all their words. Shikimi. It sounds, del- it sounds fucking delicious. It is. But so wabi-sabi in Japan is like, they have this thing mm. where a lot of them, sorry, all of them have a different interpretation of the word. The word doesn't actually exist in the language, in the dictionary. But wabi-sabi is like, it could be in your home. Wabi-sabi is like you have basic decor, really simple, and you might have some like dead flowers and some live flowers. And it's like finding the beauty in the imperfection. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I think unconditional love is. Mm. That's awesome, man. It's also it's also crazy how our kids or teenagers can just pick to pieces other people in what they might think as a joke or a prank, but it really does. I mean, obviously, there's a reason behind it all. So you know how that feels, so you can have more compassion and empathy and love to other people now. But yeah. like anyone listening to this, if you if you resonate with that situation that Sean just explained about you know balding or something that you're not quite happy about with your body fuck them like it, it doesn't yeah. really matter like i'm on the other end of the spectrum as you bro is like i'm i'm covered from head to toe in hair thank my yeah. Gre- my greek genes and yeah. um and it's like you know there was a, there was jokes that i used to get is like fucking monkey and all, and all that you know and these are from yeah. my exes and stuff and i think i would go along with it but it does deep down it does hurt the worst one I remember, it's actually pretty funny because he's an absolute tyrant. One of our mates is an absolute tyrant. He's still struggling with a lot of stuff. But um, yeah. I remember he'd had a few beers and I was like, I was at a party or something and I was leaving and he was pretty much like, you fucking chemo patient. Like, blah, 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 blah. And everyone was just like, whoa. Like, but for me, I was like, oh, whatever, mate. Like, you're a dickhead. But that was like killer that was like emotional like suicide inside Mm. yeah and that's it like you said he's just struggling with his own shit and it is man all of our projections are a reflection of our own troubles so taking radical responsibility for your story and your projections is the quickest way there to help him yeah 
Last question to this part. Do you believe in a greater power and what is that to you? Ooh, I believe, I believe we are God. I honestly believe that I am God is here. Dogma backwards am God. I believe that we are the God. We are our own higher power. And, you know, I mentioned Abraham Hicks. I, I don't know what Abraham, what it, where they are or what they're doing, but they obviously <laughs> know something because <laughs> of, <laughs> of this. I've just conceded. Like I went to Catholic school. I used to be up at the front of the chapel reading out Psalms and doing all the jazz and being like a good uh, school captain and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I would only really pray to God when I really needed something, like when I really wanted some support with exams or, you know, something like that. But I, I'm not going to say what it is, but I definitely believe there is a higher power uh, universe, whatever, God, there is, there is higher power there, source energy. Mm. Um, my, my own belief is that, you know, all those stars up there in the sky have got something to do with our spirit and we're all connected. Uh, if you look at the uh, Aboriginal culture in particular, Indigenous culture, you know, their stories need to be shared with more people. Um, their concept of how the world was created is very similar to the Big Bang. Um, and it's very interesting that, you know, I watched a story of God with Morgan Freeman like a second time just recently and they look at all the different cultures and for me personally if you actually have half a brain and you're hopefully somewhat awake you can see how they all overlap and mm. i think what happened over time is the story just gets distorted because one old cracker that's had too much to drink goes and shares the story with somebody else and half the parts get changed and missing and yeah I think mm. uh, there's definitely, definitely a higher power. What's, what's your belief on Jesus now that you've left the Catholic sort of realms? I believe that the Buddha, I, I can never say his name, whatever so he's doing. Yeah. yeah, that's him. <laughs> I believe he was the interpretation that they now call the Prophet Muhammad in Islam, that they call Jesus in Christianity. And if you ask a Hindu this, they will tell you the same thing. Uh, and it was actually an incredible uh, driver in Bali I had, this amazing guy, Wayan. Wayan, we just start, we were driving, I was going to a silent retreat, so it was like a four and a half hour drive. We we're just talking like life, death, resurrection. Like I was asking him like to tell me all these beliefs. And he was like, he was the one that said it and I absolutely loved it. And I think I heard Sadhguru say it as well. And it was something along the lines of um, when we die, our soul is just changing clothes. Mm. That was like the Hindu, the Balinese version. It was like, we don't, he was like, no, we don't die. He's like, we, our soul just changing clothes, come back again. Mm. And it's that whole reincarnation, you know, and karma, I think karma is a big thing. Um, Karma and law of attraction. I think there's a lot of similarities there. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think Jesus. I, you know, it's pretty controversial, but I think Jesus is just a, a different story about Buddha. Mm. 
And he was old, he was he he came after Buddha, didn't he? Yeah, like the Buddhists and the Hindus, their religion goes way way back. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Cool, bro. Well, let's get into the main part now. We got the um, main questions of your your personal journey. And the first yep. one here is, what did your life look like as unwoke and, and how does that compare to now? Uh, as I mentioned earlier, everything was about those four Bs. Mm. It was about sport, so balls. It was about bills, money, which I never seemed to have and couldn't keep. Uh, babes, same thing. I was so focused on trying to get girls to help fill that lack of love that I had. And um, booze. I I did used to drink and party quite a bit, but mm. I used to can like for me it used to be all right. I won't drink for a month or three months, and then I'd just go stupid for a weekend, and um, that really did I know harm me. When I was going through all of that and really struggling with my mental health, I you know 2016 had the whole catastrophe cataclysmic event emotional fracture got lots of names for it um and you know my entire being was rattled and i went back home to my parents and fell down on the floor and cried and spent a week there and connected with family members and the the thing is like on my father's side of the family 95 percent of them uh have struggled with mental health and um, 90% of them just conceded that they take medication for the rest of their life and that was it. And so obviously when I wasn't awake, a lot of these unconscious things were causing me to, I guess, self-harm, self-sabotage, um, destroy everybody that got close to me, uh, including few little like instances with my own family that were just like me, the shadow, I guess the shadow coming out and really mm. just going to town and it wasn't nice. And I, I immediately after I'm like, you know, upset, crying, like, what have I done? Um, yeah, just lots of really, I guess what you'd call, they're not uncharacteristic because they, they're pretty much the shadow, I would say. And, um, I was trying to run away from it and I mm. learned that the secret is you got to turn around and face it. Mm. And so how, if you look at the guy that was, uh, you know, after the four Bs, how, how was he now? How different is he? I, I haven't had a drink for, I barely, I would have had one or two standard drinks in the last six to 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, I don't need alcohol. I never have needed alcohol. But I, you know, I might have a glass of red wine, you know, with friends at dinner. Um, and I really, I really make a thing about really enjoying it and actually mm. cherishing it. So it's not like a, you know, unconscious, like, oh, yeah, let's just throw Smack a few back for the sake of it. Yeah. I'll happily go to a party and just drink kombucha or just have soft drink or maybe not even drink anything, just have water. And my friends are all cool with that now. Like my friends have never questioned me about it they used to love it because i would be the designated driver all the time mm. um in terms of like the relationship stuff as i said it's probably been 
12 to 18 months where I've invested any significant time into that because I've just been really focused on myself. And mm. I feel like now, like it's just a matter of time that it'll happen naturally. And I'm really looking forward to just dating again, like not mm. rushing into something, not like having any expectations. So like desperation in that sense. Yeah, no desperation. There's no needy little boy that's looking for you know, that love, that's what it was, you know, it's that inner child just totally. crying out for love and affection. Totally. Um, I think that, yeah, the, one of the things that is still a big, uh, not challenge, it's something that I'm working on constantly is my relationship with money. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm more abundant than I've ever been. I've got more in my bank accounts uh, than I've ever had. Um, but I still have that underlying feeling of, oh, it's going to disappear. Like, it's going to disappear. Yeah. Like, what's going to happen when it all disappears? Like, it disappears. I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, Z. Rather than when I just trust that the universe has my back, that I'm plugged in, tapped in, turned on, that everything is working for me. And I just focus on having fun and doing what feels good. It's funny, like, you know, two weeks ago, COVID, I hadn't actually had to pay paycheck in like two months and then all of a sudden it was 10 grand in one day wow. and i'm like just and i was just like, boom, 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 like <laughs> dancing i'm like yes 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 and you're just but trusting it now way yeah just definitely just trusting it like i just you know 12 months ago i would have launched a retreat and i would have been like every day like checking everything every day following up every day contacting every day emailing and i would have been like really like getting it eventually at some i'd have finally feel it like maybe at the last hurdle mm. and then just like two weeks ago we launched our next retreat and within a week it was almost full without oh. contacting people i hadn't even spoken to half of them they were literally just like we want to come and i'm like okay and done. so there's like a level of flow to that like is that what you're yeah. sort of seeing like you being you flowing yeah and that's where, you know, love, we love Abraham. Abraham says like getting out ahead of it. And it's like getting into that flow, like letting go of the oars and just flowing, you know, with the river of life yeah. rather than pushing and, and, and rowing and trying to like paddle. Um, you know, so I caught myself maybe two weeks ago down there in yelling up. Um, I got up in the morning and I had a list of, you know, I'm going to do all these things today. And Gabby Bernstein, who's another one that I love, I'm re I've been reading her book and she was talking about having fun and, you know, and it was just something that I'd really, really disconnected from was just having fun, like just playing. And like, it's beautiful. I actually wrote a chapter about this um, the other day. I got up and I looked at my list and on the side of my list, I'd written have fun and simplify. And so that was like my mantra for the day, I guess. So I looked at my list and I was like, oh, I've got so much to do. And I was like, no, nah. I was like, I know if I go into this list right now, I'm going to be feeling like shit later. So I got my surfboard and I went to Eagle Bay. Like there's sometimes a bit of surf there, uh, but there wasn't much surf. There was nobody surfing, but there was this tiny little wave. And I almost went back and got in the car to go home. And I was like, Nah, fuck it. I was like, have, have fun. Just have fun. 
Mm. And it doesn't have to be big waves, doesn't have to be complicated, just simplify. So I went out there and I'm like sitting on my board and I was catching these waves, like these big left handers all the way. And at one point I fucking hit the beach and smashed onto the sand. And like just, I was laughing at myself, like got up laughing. I was like, did anybody actually see? And then just paddled back out. And then that was the next day that I had that 10, 10 grand come in. Man, that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah, epic. So, so prior to you sort of making that shift, like I'll say that the, the, the four Bs, man, what was yep. your biggest vice back then? My biggest fight? Vice. Vice. Um, probably sex. Mm. Yeah, probably looking for anything that would just come and like make me feel loved for an hour, two hours. Mm. Um, cool. Yeah, I was not proud of it. Um, just a part of you know, that, that era? It was a part of that, you know, early 20s, mid 20s. Um, it was either be in a really tight, uh, you know, suffocating relationship uh, or just be doing the whole single, like, go out, meet girls, Tinder, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it was, yeah, it was, I think it was just self-soothing, self-loathing and probably mm. doing more damage. I feel you, man. What, what emotion challenged yeah. you most? Anxiety, shame, guilt, fear or anger? Um, well, it used to be anxiety. Like, that's what I was diagnosed with. But I really feel like it was just a lack of self-worth like just mm. um you know doing a lot of the work that you know we're aware of breath work hypnosis um holographic kinetics which is a new one um connecting like it was actually in a yoga class in bali that it first happened i connected with my father as a kid and i know that his childhood was really tough and I know that he went through some pretty difficult stuff, mm. but I had these visions of I was him when he was a kid, and I could see it, feel it, taste it, touch it, like what he went through. And I can't, I, I was like in tears, like in this yin workshop, just in tears, in tears, in tears. And Persia, the instructor, just let me go. She didn't come over. She just let me go. At the end, I'm like still in tears, like sharing with everybody. And so anyway, I came back to um, Australia and I'm at my parents' place and I told them like what happened and they were like, well, what? Like, how do you know? And I'm like, yeah, like, can you tell me more about it? And then my mum went in and my mum actually had like letters and little notes and stuff that he'd written as a boy about all of this stuff that he went through. And so I had massive issues with abandonment. That was my biggest thing. Abandonment has been mm. the underlying cause of all of this my sister has had the same issues even though we've had perfectly leafy green childhoods um uh and even deeper than that i'm looking at it on my desktop now my grandfather his grandfather all had these big traumatic events where they lost somebody like tragedy death like losing his brother that would have just been unhealed trauma that they just pushed down you know like I call it pushing a tennis ball underwater. They just push it down. 
until it gets to somebody like me or one of the other males in my dad's family who get depression and anxiety and they don't know why this mystery illness or it runs in the family um, and I decided that I was going to be the one that challenged that mm. and that's why I'm here talking to you and doing what I'm doing because Tully was actually the one that said it to me he was like you could be the one that breaks the lineage mm. and Jake mm-hmm. Loretto was another one he was like you know yeah. you could be the one that stops passing this through the generations and so so you did contribute like everything like that anxiety and stuff coming back to a sense of abandonment from your from the past when i was i remember and my parents remember when i was four years old three years old they'd go out for dinner and not have a babysitter i would be like clutching hold of the door like screaming like and they just everyone used to just joke that i was this fucking crazy kid that nobody wanted to babysit but I couldn't remember it because when I've done the hypnosis and they take me back to that age, I was fucking terrified that my parents weren't going to come home. Yeah, wow. Because that's what happened to my dad when he was eight years old. Wow. His mum left and his mum never came home. Wow. Fuck, that's been passed on in in the DNA. My dad grew up believing nobody loves me, nobody wants me, nobody cares about me. Yeah. And his dad, same thing. His dad lost his brother in an accident like was killed in between a train and a platform and they then got married had kids had eight boys and from all of those eight boys the first one had motor neuron disease which i believe is related to trauma there's probably been three or four cases of cancer in that line Mm -hmm. there's been alcoholism there's been all kinds of stuff so much yep so much loss and then i go to my mother's side who just a week ago after a didgeridoo sound healing that i went to i right at the end of the session connected with my mum's father who three days after they got married my mother's father went blind woke up in the middle of the night and was blind and they didn't know what the reason was so i come out of this didgeridoo sound healing something comes to me about Pop being blind, Pop was blind, there's something to do with trauma. Pop was blind, there's something to do with trauma. So I go home, I start looking up, and surprise, surprise, there's all this research about people going blind from big traumas that have not been healed, big traumas that have been, you know, suppressed, and all of a sudden they decide that they can't really tell why their eyes have just stopped working, but Mm. it's basically they've had something happen, and so good old Google, my pop's been dead for like 15 years, but in there I find that when he was first married, this was like, fuck, I don't know, 80 years ago, he had a little son who died at three years old. Mm-hmm. And then a few years later, his wife died as well. So this is a stoic farmer who, you know, big tough farmer, lost his three-year-old son, mm. lost his first wife, and then has his own children and goes blind all of a sudden. So my biggest thing is that through all that, there's this ancestral trauma that's been passed along. Totally. Tragedy, loss, grief, abandonment. Yeah. Therefore, whether you look at genetics, epigenetics, I don't know how far we go down the rabbit hole. I've had a perfectly good life, but I was still fucking terrified that every girl I dated was going to leave me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you found forgiveness for that and let it go? 
Or are you still yeah. working on it? Yeah. Uh, there's still, uh, definitely still fragments that to be worked through. Yeah. Um, but, you know, me and my own dad, um, like, you know, we say, I love you now. We hug now. Like, we never mm. used to do that because he didn't know how to receive that because mm. of his own childhood. And I didn't know how to give it because of the place that I was in. But, mm. you know, it's beautiful now. Every time I, I come home, mm. all his dirty farm gear and he, you know, gives me a hug. Mm. Beautiful, man. And yeah. so, who's, you know, talking about that question that you mentioned from Tony Robbins' documentary, whose love yeah. did you crave most and who did you have to be to get it? Was it your father? I, like, I used to get a lot from my father. Like, he would, I remember, you know, he'd coming home from work, almost dark, and he would still come out the back, kick the footy until the sun was, like, completely gone. He would coach my sports teams. He would take me to sports games. Uh, it was probably just that physical touch, I think, that maybe, you know, I didn't get as much as anyone, you know, I don't know anyone like, you know, my age that did get it back then. It just wasn't a thing. Yeah. Um, I think it was just probably more that feminine more yeah, than anything. Like, well, no, mum definitely I would, I would get it from as well, but... Now that now that we're talking about it, probably yeah, it probably was mum a little bit. Like she she gave us everything. But it was yeah, I think probably from both parents it was just that physical like love, like holding mm. holding you. Um and I know mum had to go back to work uh very early on, like when I was quite young and I had the most the lady that taught me unconditional love was um she was like, she's not related, but we called her Nana because from when I was, you know, a wee pup, she was the one that looked after me um, mm, when mum and dad beautiful. were at work. And I was uh, doing a um, meditation um, workshop in Bali recently and we did this, uh, you know, process and we got into unconditional love and she was right there. It was like, you know, the last time I saw her was, 10 years ago, I held her hand in hospital as she passed away. Um, that was the last time I'd really connected to her. Now that I've been doing all this work, it was beautiful to be in this workshop and to actually connect with who's the person that taught you unconditional love and it was her. And so now I've, I carry a photo of her everywhere I go. Um, when I talk about spirit guides, if I need a messenger, if I need a guardian angel, if I need something, I'll I can meditate and call on her and I guarantee you I'll feel the wind like come and the wind will pick up and I'll feel the wind blowing on me and that's her being there with me, like helping me, talking to me, communicating with me. It's amazing. Oh, that's incredible, man. Yeah. Well, talk beautiful. to me talk to me about one of the lowest points of your life that you, you can you can remember and, and was suicide ever a factor in that? No, thankfully I've never had that um i've had of and this is where it's teetering on the on the edge and with a lot of the youth work i've done i actually spoke to a guy dr russ harris who's he's here in perth but he's um he's researching he has been for years he's been researching like what it is that makes somebody make that fatal decision it's like they they don't actually know like they can look at you know 
why people get up to that point and they might attempt it or why people have suicidal thoughts, but they have never actually been able to determine what it is or which part of the brain actually makes that final decision to go, that's it, I'm done. And so I was talking to him about it where I'd had, I'd never had suicidal thoughts, but I'd had thoughts about like, am I at that point of where I'm going to potentially think those thoughts? It was like, I'd never mm. actually fantasized in my head like, oh, maybe I'll go and do that or maybe I'll do this and take my life. I'd get to the point where I'd be like, am I getting suicidal yet? I'm like, no, I'm not, I'm not, that, I'm not at that point. I'm, I'm feeling pretty shit, but I'd know that I'd never get to that point. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. For um, sure. So the worst, the worst part was, uh, yeah, 26. Um, Monday morning, my partner who I had I'd been living with who it had just been my birthday uh, and I'd said to her the week before I'm like I'm booking in to see a psychologist next week because like I know that like I'm not I'm not okay like I need support and she kind of didn't really give a fuck to be honest um I think she was just you know not mature enough at that point to sort of understand or didn't hold the space for me that I was hoping. Uh, and then anyway, on the Sunday, we went out for my birthday. We all had drinks or whatever. Um, the Monday morning, she packed all my shit, put it on the front doorstep. And uh, that was the day that I was booked in to see the psychologist, thankfully. But that uh, breakup, no reason, just text message, all your stuff's outside, you need to come and get it. Um, compounded everything, obviously, um, and then wouldn't answer a fucking phone like when I'm going through all this stuff. So that Monday morning was uh, that was it. That was like I remember, and I've I've written this in my book where I'm just driving around, uh, leaning in Perth, just doing laps with all my stuff piled in the car, and I sh I like, shouldn't have even been on the road. I was just like a ghost like didn't know what I was doing didn't know where I was going I was just like in tears like like sobbing like emotionally like couldn't breathe finally got to the psychologist and at that point I was like look I gotta call my boss there's no way I can go in and teach today so I've called him and I'm like just crying through the phone I'm like I'm, I need time off um he was really good about it and pretty much said you know take as much time as you need and yeah, I went back to my parents, went to my dad, 12 o'clock on a Monday. And my dad was like, what the fuck are you doing here? And I just fell in his arms and just told him like, I'm not okay. I need your help. Um, and yeah, probably the lowest point was around then. And then I remember I was just crawled up in a ball on the floor at my parents, like they were at work and just mm. crying, just just being in that fetal position like a little kid. Mm. Um, and it was actually my uncle who he passed away maybe 12 months later. He had a uh, terminal cancer at the time and he'd been through all the mental health stuff. And I went and caught up with him one day and I'll, he just put it all into perspective and it pretty much made me think like, what the fuck have you got to be carrying on like this for when he's, you know, on his last legs and 
you know, he said a few things about life and relationships and not, you know, just all this, the, you know, usual stuff like life's too short to be caught up in this. And yeah, yeah. Just like some real talk of like the reality of life and, and just gave you some yeah. perspective. What, what was the perspective? What was like a significant moment of awakening after that period where you were just like, fuck, there's more to this life and that you sort of push you down a more conscious way of living? Well, I think for the first six to six months, maybe 12 months, um, it was a slow recovery. Like it took time. Um, And I do, I say this with a lot of the clients and the people that I work with where, you know, I'd love to be able to, and and as much as they want to as well, you want to turn it around really quickly. But I think with these, they're obviously accumulated and there's a lot of stuff there and, you know, it could be even ancestral stuff that you need to work through. But the the most profound experience I had was uh, breath work. Um, mm. And breath work and that yoga session in Bali where it just made sense. It was like, I know why I've been feeling this. And now that I know why, I can do something about it um, and really shine my light on that darkness and, and work through it. But when you, it's like, you know, you're looking, there's that, that thing they talk about, the guy that's looking for his keys in the dark and he's like shuffling around, like trying to find his keys in the dark. And then he goes out under the, street light and he's looking for his keys and people are like why are you looking for them under the street light and he's like well why would I look in the dark when there's the light so that was for me like the really big thing it was having that realization of this is why it's happening now you can heal that and then grow from that um yeah that breath work definitely has been the number one thing that's helped me the most um Mm. and yeah probably just coming out of some of those sessions have been huge. Yeah, wow, man. So was there an, anything else you use other than breath work, like as a healing modality? Oh, mate, I've actually got a list and like how long have you got? Because honestly, <laughs> the list, I wrote a blog about it a while ago. Harpe was a big one um, where I sat Harpe. The plant after, medicine. After the, yeah, the plant medicine after the breath work. And again, there was that little boy. Uh, actually... Let's say that was probably the most significant for the reason that whenever I'd done the breath work before that and whenever I'd done the psychology, the NLP, the hypnosis, I'd always been connecting with this little boy that was sad and upset and angry and mm-hmm. wasn't feeling good about himself. Yeah. In that half day session, I, was, I became the smiley, happy, the little boy that was like, the little boy that was having fun and I, that was where I was remembered. I was like, my childhood was actually fucking awesome. Like, mm. my childhood was, I was the happiest kid. Like, I had the best childhood you could ask for. Mm. And then as life got on, it was like it got beaten out of me and all this other stuff came through. Um, so that was probably the most profound uh, experience, I would say. And you did, like, other things like NLP, you say, what yeah, I um, probably yoga has been a massive part of my life as well. And I'm actually considering doing my yoga teacher training awesome. at the moment. Um, I've always wanted to do it. And I have really had to, I guess, 
figure out when the right time is. As I said, the breath work got cancelled. So now I'm looking at yoga and then maybe breath work. Uh, I really do find that yoga helps me really connect with myself inside. Yeah. Um, and I can just play with yoga and have fun with yoga. Um, awesome. What type of yoga 100%. is it? Do you do kundalini? Uh, I love vinyasa. I love yin. I've done a bit of kundalini. Um, yin's probably my favorite. Um, I love the holding those long poses and just sitting with the discomfort and teetering on the edge of what's uncomfortable yeah for sure yeah cool man and what about your friend group bro how has that changed has it changed for the better as you've changed i'm actually incredibly blessed and grateful that the students that i started year eight with there's about 20 of us that are still like this like brother and sister there's about 20 of us um we're all our own person. We're all in a very different space. Some are, have gone into spirituality and come back. Some are not spiritual at all. But we're all like incredibly supportive of each other. Uh, we regularly all get together. Um, mm. For me, they've been a massive part of my life. They're pretty much like a family. Um, you know, they've, they've always been interested in what I'm doing, even though that I've never forced them into doing anything or like nobody's come to an event or a workshop or anything, but they're always asking. They're always interested. They're like, you know, what, what's that, what's that thing you're doing like that? What's breath work? Like That's I recently really cool. like, yeah, for my 30th birthday, I asked for all of them to help me contribute to my, my breath work training. So they did, they've all, like, they all collected money and my family collected money to put towards my breath work training as my 30th birthday present, which is really cool. Um, and then I just find everywhere I go, I just meet whoever's, whoever's meant to be a part of my journey at that time, they're there in front mm. of me. Um, you know, I've got great friends in Bali, great friends in Yelling Up. Um, and yeah, I've, I feel really, really grateful to have different friend groups. And some of my friends, are, you know, they don't doubt what we talk about and yeah. they just go surf. And yeah, yeah it's cool. That's, that's, that's beautiful, bro. What part of this Thank conscious you. journey are you most grateful for? Probably, like I'm so grateful and proud to have gone off medication and stopped like dealing with all of that after 12 months of having that breakdown. Was that the anxiety um, medication? or Yeah, yeah. depression and anxiety. So I uh, took it for about six to 10 months. And then I met this guy from the States who was in Bali and he was basically, a, he had the MD at the end of his name. He was a pretty cool dude as well. Um, he created a program that he was running all over the world uh, to help with burnout and mental illness uh, in medical profession. Um, and we, I literally was connected with him and they were like, you two just have to meet. Um, anyway, it was a Sunday morning. It was pissing down with rain he was in Uluwatu which was like an hour away from me and my being was like you've, you've got to meet this guy like you've got to meet this guy so I got a poncho and I'm like on the scooter just like through the rain like getting peppered by this rain for like an hour to go and meet this guy Daniel Friedland um, was his name and we sat down and talked and it was basically like where I was at was where he was at you know where like maybe 10 years later and he was the one that 
inspired me and shared with me. He goes, look, I went cold turkey off the medication because I decided that that was not my reality and that I could manage this with meditation and mindfulness and different practices. And so that was, that was the kick up the ass that I needed as well. And I went back and I pretty much almost went cold turkey, like cut right back for a week and then that was it. I've still kept the box. I've still kept the last box just to remind myself. Um, and yeah, that was massive for me. It's like getting out of that cycle because that's ultimately what it is. And mm. as we know, the medication just ends up, you know, creating more problems long term. Mm. And do you feel like you you changing your mindset on that with the tablets going, that's not my reality, it was like actually quite powerful? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, definitely. Wicked, man. That's really cool. And so the last question here, brother, what would, what's that one tip you'd give your old self just, just starting this journey? Oh, don't watch porn. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> um, no, one tip I'd give my old self, um, I would probably have said go into this space straight out of school and like, you know, don't go to uni. I don't mm. regret going down that conventional path, but um, I would have loved to have learned all of this a lot earlier and been able to step into this, you know, work at 25 rather than 30. Yeah. Um, you know, I still, I look at, you know, where I'm at and I know that eventually I'll, well, I'm not eventually, I'm exactly where I need to be right now, but, you know, I feel like, there have been probably a few years where maybe I've just, I could have done a lot more with those years. Mm. I was a bit lost. Um, but it would have helped you heal that sooner. Yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, probably just trust yourself more would be the, the earlier message for the old self. I think it's taken time to trust myself. Whereas, What does trusting yourself mean? I guess it's just feeling what feel like doing what feels good, listening to your inner being. Like yeah. for me it right now it's connecting, you know, with my heart space. Like obviously we talked about heart math. That was really big for me as well. Yeah, for learning me. that the magic's in here. And it's it it is hard. Like it's honestly for people to, to learn this stuff, it's not easy because knowing the difference between my chest telling me like this doesn't feel good, mm. stop doing it. And this does feel good. Keep doing it. Like mm. it's subtle. It's very subtle. It's not like it's not like one moment your heart's just fucking dancing around, and you're like, "Yeah, this is a great idea." And the next minute, it's like a dull thud, mm. and you can tell the difference. It's very subtle. And so, I guess learning that earlier and just being able to go, I think, and you would agree, the the best fucking most liberating feeling ever now is just to be able to go this fucking feels shit I'm yeah, not man. doing it yeah it's like, so I'm done it's like I'm done I'm cutting the cord I'm done like that's legit um, one of the most powerful aspects of where I'm at now totally yeah, bro beautiful. it's just to like or you know like this, the thing where you go someone says do you want to do this and you sort of before I'd be like yeah yeah I'm in 
and not really think about it. And now, like, I'll just sit there and I'll just take a deep breath. Nah, you know what? I don't want to do it. Yeah. And I feel like there's more power in saying no than saying yes. Totally, dude. Totally. I couldn't agree more. Well, thank you, brother, for joining me here and and sharing your story and your experiences. It's been great to be able to be on the receiving side and and help. I'd love to ask you one question to finish as well. Yeah, let's do it. What's one piece of advice you can give me and what's one piece of advice you can give you? Uh, Like looking back at my... Not going forward. Going forward. What's something that you'd say for me Mm -hmm. and what's something you'd say for yourself? I mean, this is something that I say to fucking everyone is that everyone is just a reflection of you. So, So, you know, instead of saying... Um, he or she does this to me or he and she does such and such to me, just take the he, the she out and put I do this to me or I do this to such and such and um, reflect on where you do that uh, to to others. And that way it gives you instant uh, responsibility for yourself. Definitely. and, And accountability. And then you just stop projecting and blaming. So that's what I would Love give it. to you. Um, the question, the the thing, the, the advice that I would give myself. I mean, I reflect daily on at the end of each day of like what I could do better. Um, and the one that came up la- yesterday was patience and presence. And Beautiful. so, you know, subtle ways is like how could I be better each day? You think about like an athlete. Um, you know, I love watching the UFC, and I think because of the such. It's such a ferocious sport and the mental strength in and and self-belief in that game is next level. And yeah. so um, I always think about, admire that. I'm like, fuck, athletes are incredible for their mental strength. But you think about how many hours and, and moments they're training, yeah. right? And you just go, okay, well, if my what's my sport? Okay, my sport is, you know, just say mental health and well-being or self-help right yeah and finding more inner peace well then what's my training okay the inner work so every day i've made it a point to be reflecting internally to hone that craft be sharper and sharper and sharper and then that way it's like the more and more i do that the less i look out for for external solutions and answers or blame and it's like all right where can i be better and so every day i'll just pick out one thing that I could have done better and I honestly reflect and like yesterday the reason I picked up presence was because when I was talking to my mum I noticed we were chatting for about an hour on the phone and I noticed about three quarters of the way through I started as I was having her on speaker I started scrolling some stuff and searching some stuff on the internet and my complete attention was not with her anymore and so what happens in say 30 years she's no longer on this earth I'm going to hold a negative space in my body that will remember the times that I didn't give him my full attention. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the advice I give myself is more patience, more presence. Beautiful. Love that. Thanks for the questions, bro. It's good. Excellent. Thanks for having me on. No worries. And thank you to everyone for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Now, bring
love it, just be I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be